All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, This is Matt Ryan. And uh, this episode of All Roads Lead to Real Estate has a special guest, and her name is Megan Winkler, formerly Megan Ryan. Woohoo! Welcome, Megan. Hi, Brother Matt. That's right. And uh, that's not in just the the cool sense, (laughs) Brother Matt. That's right. That's biological, Brother Matt. Uh huh. Um, So I wanted to bring Megan in, A, because she's. A awesome. hell of a good person to talk to. <laughs> I think you'll appreciate that. I told her we should have uh, done this years ago when we were pre-gaming at a Ravens tailgate because that would have been fun. She was the life of the party back in the day. Trust me on that. Um, she was crazy. <laughs> so now um, mother uh, mother Megan over here and uh, wife Megan. I've tamed Megan, it down a little bit. She's taken it down slightly. to a 6 out of 10 <laughs> instead of a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, but she's a good guest, in my opinion, to have because she has a, a unique perspective on a few things. And it's not purely real estate because I don't know about y'all, but I get sick of talking about real estate occasionally. And her perspective is one of an educator. And she has a, her degree is in um, elementary education and she has a master's degree in um, elementary administration. Um, I believe you were training at the time, right? Your intention was to become a principal or vice principal of an elementary school. Yes. Yeah, she nodded her head. I'm like, yes, we're on a podcast. (laughs) Sorry, got to talk here. (laughs) So uh, yes, that's correct. And so, uh, and that was her her goal. And so I just think it's an interesting perspective because I am now a parent of three little ones and I am dealing with the idea of elementary education and the... kind of the struggles, the thoughts, the questions that I have now, I would have never anticipated. I never really took the time to think about it. And you've been thinking about them for a couple decades. Correct. And so I kind of just, it's kind of interesting. I would never have this conversation with you at Thanksgiving or Christmas. So I throw you on a podcast and now I get to grill you as a subject matter expert. Go for it. And so I thought that would be fun. So um, let's get it, let's get it start off with a little bit about kind of who you are, where you're from, all that kind of stuff. So obviously born and raised in Howard County, Maryland. Hoco. In Hoco on the dairy farm with uh, with us, you know, Jay, my brother, and you, you're in the middle. My I brother know. Jay's the oldest and I'm yes. the baby. So you and I grew up together side by side playing right. our G.I. Joes and Barbie dolls. That's it. Um, I think I always knew I was going to be a teacher. I made Matt be one of my students and I had lots of pretend students um, so we always played school upstairs, as you remember. Oh, yes. And that's some of the prep I was doing, thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about. And that was really the essence of it. There are some that aren't sure what they want to do, if you will, when they grow up. Right. They're just kind of like getting through this experience we call life. And oh, I got to get a job. OK, I'll figure out what do I want to do. You knew pretty much as long as I can possibly remember, you knew. Exactly. So do you when do you think you first thought, okay, I want to be a teacher of some kind. Um, Early elementary school, because by fifth grade, I was voted most likely to become a teacher. That was in my yearbook. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, So I knew right off the bat, and I would say by ninth grade and definitely by 12th grade, I was helping my teachers already teach. I remember teaching math class. That was my most favorite. Um, I had one class that was just to help special education students, and I got to go in, and I loved that. So I knew from a very young age that that's all I wanted to do. That's incredible. Um, I never obviously knew what I wanted to do. Certainly didn't think I'd be a realtor. uh, So no one does. So I I give you credit for having that thought. And I just remember even when I was in elementary school, 
I distinctly remember you having a library set up at home. You had, I'd come home from school to go to school. Exactly. And you would have a chalkboard and you'd assign homework assignments. I'd check out books. You were one of my best students. <laughs> and it was serious. Yes, you I even made around. your friends be my students. Yes. They, they love coming to our house to play, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think they did, actually. They enjoyed it. And it, so it's like, what about that do you think appealed to you? Like, looking back, why do you think that would have appealed to Yes. A fifth, sixth, seventh grader version of yourself. Uh, I think I like being in charge. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm a creative minded person. So I like being able to, okay, this is what I have to do. How am I going to get my students to that point? So that's what I liked. And I, oh, I still like the creative aspect of teaching and the problem solving that's involved with it. And what age kids would you think are the best to teach? But, you know, what if you could just pick a grade? That's definitely personality based by the teacher. Got it. So when I first started teaching, I was with fourth and fifth grade students. I love the upper elementary school kids. The kindergartners scared me big time. Yeah. But now I'm teaching preschool. So yeah. the joke's on me. So yeah. um, I, I have fun at all ages. I originally was going to be a high school math teacher. That's what I intended when I started college. And then actually our big brother, Jay, was like, nope, you're going to get eaten alive. A 21-year-old coming out of college, going fresh with those high schoolers. And at 21, you look like you were 13. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Um, even on my first day of teaching, I will never forget this. I'm standing in the hall getting ready to greet my little students as they walk in. And at the time, that's when parents could walk through the class uh, all the way to your door to greet you. And he's like, oh, are we hiring right out of high school now? And I was like, oh, oh thank you. Nice. nice to meet you. I'll take good care of your kid. Don't yeah. worry. So, yeah, that's a true story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can imagine <laughs> it. So um, so you start, you went to, well, what's now called McDaniel College, right in yes. Westminster. So it was Western Maryland College. Yes, I went two years Western Maryland, two years McDaniel. So you're the split. And I've met yes. some clients over the years that were identical, right? They went to both, which is mm -hmm. really bizarre. I think it's kind of weird. You have a diploma from another school that you didn't sign up for. Yeah. Well, I kept it Western Maryland just to keep it. Oh, tradition. that was an option? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Um, that makes sense. I've seen that on the wall. Yeah. Yes, you're not lying. I can back that up. So you decided to go into elementary ed. So when did you make the switch? So you said Jay kind of helped you see yes. the light. Um, well, at McDaniel College, it is a minor education is. Okay. So I majored in sociology. And then I guess by sophomore year, I made the switch into elementary ed. Got it. And so you switched to elementary ed. So I remember helping to set up your classroom back in the day when you were yes. 21 out the shoot. What is your, as a teacher, right, from a teacher's perspective, not from a parent's perspective, mm -hmm. what was it like to start that process? If I need to have compassion for our teachers, yes. what? Oh. how do you describe that? It's very overwhelming. There's a lot. There's a lot that teachers have to do, have to prepare for. Um, just if you talk physical, getting the classroom set up, that's the easy part of the school year. Um, we are faced with so many students. I think the most I had in elementary was 27, 28 in a class, but I know class sizes now are much greater. Um, so that means that many personalities in a classroom. There are so many different ways to teach. So you want to make sure you're meeting the needs of all your learners. It's a lot. All of the meetings that you go to, oh my. Yeah. I, by the end of my teaching in elementary school, I was spending more time out of the classroom in meetings and preparation and all sorts of committees I was on that I wasn't 
in the classroom as much as I would have liked to. And did is that what more senior teachers do or were you gung-ho because you were new and young and energetic? If you had still, yes. you know, I mean, I just remember elementary, you'd have some of these older ladies or right. gentlemen that were my teachers and they looked, I just remember being checked out. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no way you've updated any of this forever. Is that, am I just hallucinating and making this well, up or is that the truth with some of these teachers that have been there for 30 years? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think young, I was excited. When you don't have children at the time, I had the time to put into it. They could go to me. They could count on me. And plus, I was going for my admin degree. So that helped to have all of those committees. So it was right. a kind of a combination of things. And again, my personality, I was ready to go. And and so you you start in the morning, right? So it's a pretty I, it seems like it'd be an easier schedule than some careers, but I just remember it didn't stop when the bell rang. No. And I always made sure to get to school ahead of time to have everything set up, good to go. Um, then your day goes, it goes by fast and things are thrown at you. Then I would always stay after to clean up, get things ready for the next day. I'd have to have my little break. I like to go home, work out, make a good dinner. And then I would sit back down. Now you have to grade your papers. Yeah. Now you got to think things through, get your lesson plans ready. And then boom, nighttime comes and you're starting all over again in the morning. And, and so how many years were you actively in the classroom? Eight full years. And then I was a math resource teacher when I came back after my first child. Got it. And so I should have probably started with yes. this because you, you did spend eight years doing this. You had your first child and then you decided when you had your second child i'm not coming back now that's yes originally i thought i was going to go back but two kids that's a lot he didn't sleep through the night for 28 months oh, yeah. Yeah. he that was crazy so i stayed at home with him and then uh, i guess six years i was home with him COVID hit we were all locked down and no thank you i was ready to get out of the house yeah. so that's so, how I became a preschool teacher. And that's what I was going to say. So now you're in the preschool teaching. Uh, yes. And so you, I have a, my middle son, Henry is that age. And so I know what it's like to spend a day with him. Just, you know, if you put 20 of him together, yes. holy smoke. So is it more challenging in this age range or is it third, fourth graders easier? Hey, listen, I have to have a lot of energy, yeah. a lot to keep up with 20 rambunctious four-year-olds. Yeah. So... That part's a little different. We get to do tons of fun stuff. Paint galore, Play-Doh. We are outside. We are getting dirty. Yeah. Um, so that part's fun. Um, just, I don't have to grade papers, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's, when I, people ask, why didn't you go back? To me, that's part of it, is because now you can do it. Because are you full-time or part-time? I'm part-time. So three days a week, just from nine to one with the right. students. And so it gives you that balance. You can yes. still do all the things you need to do at home and you still get to, you know, have a career and, yes. and get out. And, do and I thing. think that's the key, the yeah. balance. Um, when I was teaching in a public school, um, there was no balance. My whole life was teaching. Every Sunday I devoted the whole day to my lesson plans and all my grading that I had to do, everything. That was, I, I that's all I knew. But Sunday was school day. Um, and I as a mom, didn't want to have the same mindset. So this gives me a great balance. I still get my Mondays and Tuesdays, do my grocery shopping, clean the house, you know, sure. all the mom stuff. Uh -huh. um, and But I can still devote my energy to help kids. Now, one of the reasons I think you didn't go back 
in my opinion, granted, I'm a business guy. I think about financials. I mean, this is what I do. I think it's it has to be in some portion, right, or some part because of the way we compensate our teachers. And it's what I wanted to talk to you about sure. because, you know, it's like when I'm looking today to hire an admin, a starting admin with limited experience, it's as much or more than what they're paying teachers. A hundred percent. And you had to get at least a degree, if not yes. a master's degree, it's pretty much required. Yes. And the level of dedication that you've described is crazy. And yet we pay very little. So it's like, how much of that had, like you just, like even with Tons. two kids, it's like, are yep. you going to have a nanny and pay and, someone else to do all of that? And that was a huge that? factor because the cost of daycare was greater than what my paycheck would have been for me to bring home. Yeah. Um, and I'm lucky that my husband has wonderful benefits with his job. Um, so I, we, I didn't have to go back. That is one good perk of being a teacher is we do have good benefits, health benefits. Sure. Um, so I know a lot of teachers who did go back after their kids is because they needed those benefits. Yeah. So I was lucky that I didn't. Um, but yeah. I wasn't about to p put my whole paycheck towards daycare. So it's, it's like if you are thinking about the young version of yourself and you had to give advice to someone if they're listening to this and they're in the high school or college years or maybe it's their parents listening to this and they have a child that's thinking about this what advice would you have for them given the reality of what it is as opposed to what you wished for it to be as a kid i think you have to truly love teaching truly love the kids and i definitely love the kids and i think that's why teachers do it we do it because we love the power and the impact that we have on a child's life yeah um, and you just have to know that you're probably not going to be the richest person the richest one in the room sure. and that's okay right um and if you can live with that then go for it that's an amazing reason or explanation or good way to put it because i think if you thought differently you'd be the worst person to be put in that situation yes. or in that room right we're not it, doing it for the money. No, but no way. <laughs> but it, it just drives me nuts now that I'm a parent and I have kids in these rooms is I want people that are not just for there for the right reasons, but I want them to be compensated well because I want them to stay there because I know you well enough to know you would kick ass and do kick ass as a teacher. I think you should be making six figures in that. In, I agree. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I hope so. It's just like I think we would get even more people because- yes. It, you know, that wasn't what you were hearing at home. Right. Like you have to get money, you have right. to go after the, but yes. there are people that do that. They love their children Yes, and they might have that passion, but they're getting talked out of it right. because they're like, you can't support yourself. And I feel like that's why teacher burnout is at an all time high, because if you don't feel valued in your job, why are you going to keep going back day after day? And yeah. really out of the teachers that started working with me from the beginning, I only know a handful that are still in it. And that's really sad that and they were wonderful teachers and that we've all like mass exited out because you get trampled on so many times and you say that's enough. Yeah. And I don't think obviously COVID did not help the public school sector no. um, at all. And I know personally, there's a lot of substitute teachers coming in that are trying to fill these gaps and they're just not the, it's not the same caliber of no, it's not teacher. consistent for the student, first of all. Right. So they're they're just doing whatever their teacher tells them to do and. They're the ones getting lost. Yeah, so I, I hope it changes. I think it's been this way for a very long time, but there are certain counties, at least in the state of Maryland, that do pay better than others, right? And there's a longer yes. list to get in there. I know Howard County, there's a longer list. Don't they pay better there? 
than in in like Carroll County or some of these other ones. When I taught, Carroll County was one of the lower pace. Yeah, from what I recall. It's crazy, but the reality is we have to talk about it, in my opinion, because people have a tendency not to, and I think it's not fair. Not only that, you're learning about all the, the you don't have enough resources or supplies even to furnish your room. Yes. And that was mind-blowing to me. I'm like, you're already not getting paid that well, and now you're having to fork over money to to supply, you know, the, yes. the, the resources needed for your classroom? But I think that's just who we are, or at least who I am. I will always go above and beyond and make sure they have that cute little Halloween pencil come next week. And that's just part of our loving nature. And when you love a child, you want to make sure that they have whatever they need to be successful or make it or get crafty. That's right. So now some like the the school of thought I have while I have you, it's like one of my questions is as a parent, when a teacher wants to have a conference with you and they're describing maybe your the the child isn't progressing as well as they should be okay how have you embraced that discussion because i can't tell you how many conversations i've had with my own clients this has nothing to do about the house search or their home sale right. but it comes up because it's so important to them and they don't know where to begin and it's either the curriculum isn't clicking, they don't know if their kid has special needs. It's early, right? It's early, right. It's really early in their life. Yes. They might not have things diagnosed. Is that something you had to confront when you were? Sure, always. Um, and I think it's really good to have that open communication between the teacher and the parent. So if you are noticing big concerns, talk to them. Say, are you seeing this too? And if you are, what are our next steps? Um, and just same thing i think the teacher should be able to come to the parents and they should listen and say oh i never noticed that or oh i'm seeing the same thing too yeah how can we what's the next step um yes and it's hard because nobody always has the right answers and there's so many kids that need a lot of screening speech services ot um and it getting into those services from what i've heard is sometimes difficult i think covid kind of made like a backlog of cases there is and what i've heard is if your child really does need extra help that's when it's really troublesome it's from my understanding public school system still works pretty well if your kid is average or above average it's usually when they need help that unholy hell breaks loose and the resources aren't there for you that's consistently what i've heard i'm trying to is that been your experience to be true uh, I, with a middle schooler now, yeah. I am noticing the structure of the classroom is much more different than elementary school structure, where we had lots of small group instruction. So maybe five, six kids in a group, we would read together. Now it seems like a lot of whole group, like what we would picture like in high school. Right. So, the whole class, let's all do this together. Yep, let's go. So if you have a student or a child in my case that that's not the best way that he learns, right. I feel like it's a freight train just moving right on through and you're either on it or... Sorry about that. Right. Um, so as a parent, too, th- I'm like, wear the teacher hat and the parent hat. Um, it's very frustrating because you want your child to do well, and it saddens you when they're not. Right. And so, yes, I sit on both ends of the conference table. Uh, so it's it's hard. You don't know what to do. And as I, I tell my son all the time, I can study with you all the time, but it's you that has to take the test. So... Is there very frustrating? So if you started to first experience that as a parent, what do you do? Like, what's the first step? Because that's not that uncommon, right? Right. So it's like, so I would say start small. Yeah. Start with what is the biggest concern and let's figure out how to address that first before we can start to tackle other things. I think so many parents want to fix like this whole big picture, but it 
start small, start with something simple to feel that momentum, feel that confidence, and then that might roll into other things. And I guess, do you ever recommend or suggest private school? Do, do you ever have a conversation where people, I'm pulling my son or daughter out because of this or that? Is that? Not in my case. I've never. No, you yeah. haven't heard that? Yeah. I can tell you, granted, we're in a bubble. So <laughs> yeah. you still obviously live in the Carroll County, Sykesville area, right? Yes. It's a little bit different. It's really weird how the pockets of Maryland can be different. Yes. So this is Baltimore County. We're right. in the Towson area. Private schools everywhere. Yes, I just drove by some nice ones coming here. So oh, yes. Lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are more expensive than college. Yes. Um, and it's crazy, but they it's just what it costs. And so some of the, the difficulties we're describing are so real and so impactful that people then go the private school route. And so, um, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe one day if you decide to go back full time, you can go in a private school route. It would be, I think, more of the ideal setting Specifically, if you need to have a child that has needs right. attention, yeah, right, needs more care than just they can learn in a group of thirty and they're fine. Right, um, that's the that's the feedback I've been getting, and why people sometimes choose to move up here yes. is because they want to be near these private schools. Right. And I do have some friends who have pulled their kids from public schools to private schools. They like the smaller class size. They've had great success with their student in smaller classes, and they've just continued with it. I think COVID is what sent them into it because they were still working full time and this just made it easier. Someone's got to take this were, child. Yeah, yeah. And they can't well, have them the private schools were open at the time right. and then they loved it and they've stuck with it. So, yeah. And so um, I guess in general, your experience, it, I think, you know, I'm a little bit saddened by the general state of our public education system. And I think I looked it up the other day in preparation for this and it's like, we're like, ranked 37th in, in I think, either reading or math and 17th in, in the other discipline. So we're in the middle to, you know, range. Like we are certainly not near the top, yet we spend, we're not even close. We spend more than anybody per child anywhere in the world. And it's just like from a firsthand experience, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think we spend so much money yet we're not paying our teachers that well and our performance is lackluster? Oh, gosh. What do you think? I don't know. I don't want to bash all public schools because I think we as educators are doing the best we can with what we have. Um, I think we have to continue to. I don't know what I want to say. Um, it's tough, right? It, it is. It's a hard because it's a balance between we can teach you everything, but you also need to practice it. Um, and I think we are so test driven that we sometimes lose sight of what skills we actually want human beings to be able to do. Yeah, it's I can tell, right? My oldest is now in second grade and it's very test heavy where we get notices, this test is coming up, this test is coming up and they get graded on these tests. And I can tell you from a real estate perspective, oh boy, do they matter. Because I, to my knowledge, right, that's how we base these great schools ratings and things from. Yes. And they matter to the admin, they matter to Principal how your school, and, right, but guess what? Funding. That second grader, he doesn't know what that test means. Sure. He's just doing what he can. Um, and I'm noticing this year with my third grade son, now they have to type all of their answers. So they've never received typing a course. So sure. he was like, mom, how do I get that line to go down to the next one underneath? And I was like, oh, that's oh, yeah. like the inner key. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to type a full paragraph if you don't know how to yeah. put a space bar, you know, or put an inner key in. Well, oh. I, I was shocked in first grade. They gave Charlie a, a computer. They said, bring it home. Yeah. Enjoy. 
And but he doesn't know. He now knows how to do everything on it. I'm sure they are very fast with technology. Even my preschoolers. It's amazing. They know how to whip through that tablet. So your kids know chat GPT yet. I've never heard of that. Oh, boy. We're going to do that whole podcast just on that. (laughs) Holy smokes. Welcome to the new world, Megan. Um, Yeah. So it's this little thing that was invented uh, that that is like going to take over the world and we're all going to work for them one day. It's AI. It's artificial intelligence. Perfect. And Along with Matt's Teslas that are taking over the world. <laughs> yes, well, Tesla is the the world's leader. That's a whole other podcast. In real world too. AI, okay, we're gonna. I don't know why I haven't dedicated fifteen episodes to that because yeah. anyone outside of here can't shut me up about it. But uh, but the reality is, yes, Tesla AI is coming for us all. But um, this is what I'm talking about. ChatGPT is going to influence school systems in the most dramatic way possible because it it accesses trillions of um, data points instantaneously it's it's been fed all the information of the internet and it's but it's all it's word based so it's just language based whereas for example tesla is real world ai where it's working towards generalized artificial intelligence which make which makes it exceptionally more difficult however the way that's going to i think impact all of us is now charlie used in second grade can speak into my phone and it can give him any answer you can possibly imagine instantly. And he's, I showed it to him five times and he can, he can do it obviously better than you, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's pretty crazy how that's going to impact because yes. that just started recently yeah. in the past two, three years. And I back, oh gosh, this is dating me, but when internet was starting, you know, really go in and when we could Google stuff, yeah, my students would be like, I need that answer now. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like our day, we would look it up in an encyclopedia. Now they're very much, they need that answer now, right this second. Right. That's how we as humans are changing with technology. Um, so that has changed how education is and how we are thinking. Well, but remember, we're still humans and we still. For now. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> so we still have to teach them how to read and write and use math. Well, it's a real question because it's the, I remember dealing with this even in college. I'm learning calculus and these other, I loved math. So I took derivative based economics and I took all this geeky stuff, but I'm thinking even at the time I have a computer that can do this. Why do I need to do this longhand? And every student is going to think the same. And the reality is as someone who now employs people, um, do I want them to do it longhand when I'm talking to them? I would never do that. It's a get the calculator, I get the computer. I need you to make sure this is accurate. But I think you want someone who's a problem solver. Yep. And that's what I think we sometimes forget that we're, we want kids to be able to think on their feet and be able to think through a problem right. and we can't lose touch of that. Yeah. So I, I just say it's like the blending of all of this. It's like, you still need to learn how to do it. And then furthermore, explain the whys behind it. I'm terrified. What I'm most terrified about all this AI is that education people are going to rely on it and we're not we could be fed anything and we won't know and so how do you fact check something that's the all-knowing source and we're gonna like if you think disinformation is is something crazy now you wait oh my god it's gonna get wild out there yeah we'll look back on this and be like oh i saw that coming oh it's i mean it's the biggest it's the biggest threat really that we have um and probably the fastest threat to humanity is ai and it's scary, right. but and as it relates to education, it's I've just heard a, a someone on a different podcast describe in the university setting these college kids that are very bright know how to use this at the best levels. They're I mean they can forge everything. Though all the papers are forged, everything's forged, 
but now they're gonna like the only way they can do it is like they're gonna have to have the students explain it orally because they can fake everything else so now they're gonna have to study for the test and talk to a professor or a you know an admin or someone in the in, in yep. the department and what is that teaching anyone i don't know exactly so yes you were able to pass the course and get an a but is that going to make you successful in the workplace and that's what i fear we're going to see more of just because you passed an ivy league school doesn't make you you know intelligent unless you actually learn that information yeah it's it's something, but I don't want to muddy the water too much. Um, I want to focus on the elementary. Let's keep it light here. Let's keep it light. <laughs> the doom and gloom is, is isn't too far from us, but it's golly uh, day. It's just the uh, it's what I can't help but think about, and what what are we preparing our elementary age children for? Because the world that they enter and the jobs that they'll have, I don't think any parent can say with a straight face they know what that prospect is, and the ideas of the traditional job. I want them to have this. We don't, I don't really know what those jobs will look like in 20 years. So I think it goes back to the basics. What do we want our kids to look like as grown adults? And I always say to my boys, I just want you to be kind-hearted people, be nice. I think we lose sight of that when we're talking about all these other stuff. We just want you to be a good person and make good decisions right. and believe in the right stuff. Um, so like I was talking to your wife right before this, um, she was worried about Charlie in school and I'm like relax it's gonna be okay he is a good child with a great heart and that's gonna get him farther than any math paper or yep. well anything. she's nervous because he's around a child at a lunch table that she's heard that says horrible things or did something bad and so she's like oh my god I can't it, like I can't have that influence right it's all the things it's but like, that's the reality of life there's always gonna be yep. influences and how do we handle those situations so I think we have to as parents do the best we can to prepare our child, right. have those tough conversations like, oh, if this child says something, this might be how you want to respond. Right. Um, that just helps them prepare them for life. That's true. That's very true. And and getting back to what I'm now experiencing uh, with homework. So I see quite a bit of homework coming home and we're now dealing with the reality of how in the world do we make sure he does all this homework because it's way more than I remember in second grade. and. I get home relatively late, like after seven, and I want my love, right? And I mm -hmm. want a hug and I'm, yeah. but I have all this homework I need to support him with. So how do you balance that and how, to, like, how, I don't even know where to begin with this yes. topic because it's a real issue yeah, for me right now. It is. And it's time management. Um, I, I don't know if you remember us as kids, mom would always let us have a half an hour break. And then by four o'clock, boom, homework would had to be done. Um, and I kind of do that with my kids. We have a very structured afternoon. Mostly it's for my sanity because I feel like I spend a lot of my time and effort as a mom helping them with their schoolwork. Um, so we just have a very set up time from four to five. That's homework time. That's when we're going to get it done um, because kids are very active in the afternoons now. I know Charlie has sports. My kids yeah. play three sports a year. So we're always on the move. So just managing your time, Matt. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> One of his best qualities. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. Um, and. And so as a parent, when you're like want to be involved, I was curious to get your viewpoint on what I call the hovering parents, the folks that are so involved that you want to scream. Was that an experience you had in in when you were teaching or is that not as common as we think? Well, they can't come into my classroom, so I don't witness the hovering in the classroom. Gotcha. They're not emailing and no, calling. No, not too bad. You don't get 
too much craziness like that. Um, yeah. But I, at home, that could be a whole different thing. On playdates when I was a stay-at-home mom, sure, you experience all different types of moms when they're little. They do need more support. And it's sometimes hard to gradually release from that. I know I have that conversation with a lot of my preschool parents now because this a lot of them, this is their first child, first four-year-old. Um, and it's just figuring out, oh, they needed so much help when they were little. When do I stop doing these things? When do I stop putting on their shoes for them? When do I stop blowing their nose or yeah. helping them with their food for dinner? Um, and it's just hard for a parent because we want to do that. We love doing those things. Um, but really, it helps the child when we kind of gradually release and say, all right, now it's your turn to try to put on your shoes. Right. So well, we it's want hard. them to be babies forever. I do. Yeah. It's like you really <laughs> don't want them to grow up, but. Where yes. they are. <laughs> so but it does. It yeah. helps so much. It helps the kindergarten teacher if they already sure. can put their jacket on. They can already tie their shoes. Maybe not shoes, but yeah. put their shoes on. Right. Uh, button their coat. Well, I think having, you know, we have three and it's like by the third, it's like they do so much more than the first child ever did because they have to. Right. We're busy. Yeah. So like she's doing things that, that Charlie and Henry never did because she's forced to. She's just like doing all the things. She's like a big kid at two yeah she's just forced to and that's okay they all yeah. are going to be different and that doesn't mean anything on a parent's side you're still doing an awesome job and it's great she's going to be super prepared for kindergarten yeah and, probably yeah and but think about yeah. it if you can take out those elements then they can really focus on learning so as i'm preparing my future kindergartners I want to make it so it's easy. So they're prepared and ready to learn. And that's not what they're worried about. They're not worried about, oh, I got can't open my lunchbox or, oh, I don't know how to walk in a straight line. That's the easy stuff. I can take yeah. care of that. So now you can really focus on the academic portion. And how, like, I guess I just would like your viewpoint. Like, how do you discipline a child? Because that's one of the more frustrating things because you want to shake them and throw them out the window. And so from an, you know, someone with a master's degree in this, like, how do you, how do you do it appropriately? So you get your point across at the same time, they, you know, they right. actually listen, yes. right? This is, I think if I could, if we could solve this question, we'll be very rich. But what's your be. opinion yeah. on it? <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Uh, yes. I think we, as parents, we get fired up. I know I'm can sometimes do that, um, yeah. but we have to calm ourselves down, take a step back. They could be going crazy. You're going crazy. Nothing's going to get solved when emotions are high. Um, so that's number one. Cool yourself down. Get to their level. Talk to whatever developmental level they are. So a two-year-old you're going to talk different to than an eight-year-old. Um, and have that conversation. This is what I saw. I did, you know, This is how it should have been, happened. What can we do next time? Is timeouts the, the cure? Is it two minutes oh, for a two-year-old, three minutes for a three-year-old? Everyone's going to have their own yeah. thing of what they believe. Yeah. Do I think that there should be a consequence? Yes. Um, in society, I think our consequences are less and less. Um, so, yes, I think, in my opinion, I do believe that there should be a consequence. And what that consequence is, that's your opinion, your viewpoint, uh, what you feel comfortable with. And I think it always goes back, what's going to make the biggest behavioral difference? Um so like I know the sweet spots for my children. So for yeah. now, for the older one, I'll take your phone and that, ooh, that changes things yeah. real fast. Um, but then it goes back to we're having problems with homework. All right, then what can I do to fix this? Why is he acting up when it comes to this particular problem? And that really the root cause is what you have to kind of figure out what, why is that happening? 
to make this happen. And do you remember, mom used to give advice, our mother is no longer with us, but if, I just remember she would give advice, like, you need to remember this when you have kids, when you say you follow through with. Uh -huh. You remember that advice? Yes, I do. And I, I, you know, it's one of those things you kind of ignore when you're a kid, like, whatever, like, why, like, no big deal. And now that I'm dealing with these situations, yes. if I, and it's so hard, I remember her saying, you're never going to want to do it because if right. you're out doing something with the whole family and you say, if you do that again, we right. are leaving. Then you better leave. She's like, don't you dare make a threat that you're not willing to follow through with. That's and right. I have been guilty of not following through. Yes. And they learn real fast. Very quick. You give an inch, they take a mile. They're devils. So, Boy, they test you in every way. Yes. So I do pick my, that's why I say cool yourself down. Because right. if you're going to give a, a consequence, yeah. it better be one that you are willing. Yeah. To but I will it. say my best parenting moments, I've actually followed through. And then the next time I make that threat. They know. They know you're not playing. Full show. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the hardest thing. So if you're a, a parent or a soon to be, I'm telling yes. you, that's the hardest advice it to take. Hard. But don't oh. make empty threats. And that's when right. you do, follow through with your threat. Exactly. And uh, boy, is that not easy, though. No. Because it ruins my good time. I know. You're at the Ravens party or it's whatever like, with family, and you're like, we're, we're leaving without one more time. It's like, oh, God, I actually have to do it. I'm having fun. I know. We're the ones that get punished. Exactly. I'm like, I'm going to sit at home and stare at the wall because of you, kid. So choose your consequence wisely. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's pretty good. So, all right. So I had a couple other random things. So I guess what can what can parents do to prepare for their child's first day of school? Because Rebecca did everything. So A, you can marry the, uh, the right spouse that does all the yes. things because that's, thank God, how it happened for me. But without that benefit, yes. what advice would you give someone who's going to deal with that situation? For the first day of school? Oh, just talk yeah. it out. I think it's great. Like most schools have back to school night. We go through, we walk through the classroom. I think that takes away the nerves of where am I supposed to go? Where's my locker? So we can we can take all of that out of the equation. Um, and we just kind of pretend, at least when they're little, like yeah. this is how we're going to sit. This is how we're going to look. I'll have all their school supplies ready. They yeah. like that part. Label everything because that stuff is on the floor more than it's on the table. Yeah, so this is, I mean, that's all good information. I think Rebecca's done most of it, and I can tell you, we've just not done a lot of things, and then it, we find out from other kids, and the, our kids will come back and say, oh, this person has a water bottle. We're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're supposed yes. to have done that. Yes. And I, I mean, you all, you learn as you go. So yeah. by number three, you're going to be an expert at this. You're going to be telling the other parents what they need. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Exactly. It's fine. And uh, it's going to be okay. Don't stress it. Yeah. The kids are so resilient. They go with the flow. We as parents get more stressed than they do. Like, I'm like freak out on the first day of school. And they're like, oh, it was great. I had a great time. They yeah. they don't notice anything. Just well, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's just like, so a shout out to all the teachers. So yes. I, I just love teachers in general in terms of their mentality. The ones that, in my opinion, are authentically teachers. I've just seen the difference. There's such a there's such a discrepancy between what I consider to be the great teachers and the the ho hum. I I just don't know. That's why I was telling you earlier. It's like some that I think are burnt out yes. and that are still there. And think about it, if you're putting your heart and soul into everything you yeah. do every day, those are the ones that are getting burnt out. And you get and you just feel so defeated. You're trying so hard, but can only get so far. 
And so my heart goes out to them. So, so what do we do to, to keep them like, should I, is, what would you appreciate as a teacher that, that the parents could do? Is there anything that you were like, oh, that was so nice. Is it, are the little gifts or like, what do you prefer? Do you want a little gift or do you want a gift certificate? Like, do you <laughs> oh, want a note? Like listen, what, what is appreciated the most? Everything. Um, the little notes. Every now and then I'll get a nice little email from a parent saying, um, you made a huge impact on my child's life. Like I had one that wrote to me saying about um, school lunch. So my little preschoolers went to lunch this year and how she got to sit with a friend that has a peanut allergy. And she's like, you really set up a great school culture in your classroom that encouraged my non-allergy student to sit with the peanut allergy student. Yeah. And that really meant a lot to her. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, nice. like you took all time out of your busy day to let me know that yeah. I had an impact on your child. Um, so that's wonderful. Um, one of the easiest, sweetest gifts I got from one of my students, they brought us lunch. Because hmm. we as teachers get a 30 minute lunch midday. You can't ever leave to go get lunch. So for her to bring in a hot lunch, that was awesome. Did she let you know in advance? Or? Yes. Mm -hmm. mm, that's a great idea. And then we got idea. to sit with our team. And it's just a that. simple little thing, but we don't ever get to eat lunch out. So that yeah, was fun. That's a great idea. Yeah. Chick-fil-A for the Lutherville yep. Lab teachers coming That's your right. way. That's right. They'll love you. Tell her I said. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. I have to tell you a hot, really hot topic right now. I went to back to school night at, at Lutherville Lab right here in the mm -hmm. Towson, Lutherville area. And they're redistricting. And I know that happens with lots yep. of schools all the time. Oh, yeah. But that is a hot topic. Yes, and it I, is. This is my first experience with kids in a school. We are not affected because we live literally like a half a mile from the school. So thankfully, it doesn't affect us, but it affects many others. And it affects real estate, what I do. Yes. And I was just like, selfishly, I better stick a lot of business cards in this notice because it's going to make some people move. Yes. And that's actually Carroll County. They've been talking for the past couple of years about redistricting. And with one of the options, we would be affected. And so instead of our kids going to the high school that's literally two miles from our house, they would be bused 30 minutes away to a different school because our end of the county is very, um, very congested with people. So, and yeah. And the ratings, are is it as good a school or not as good? Um, well, Someone? you know, the, uh, the whole reason we moved the whole four miles was to get into this school district. Yeah. So, yes, we were very upset that our two-minute drive is going to become a 30-minute drive. Yeah. So where are the parents that are fighting to keep it as is? Yeah, it's... It, They're it, just... We are facing overcrowding issues in our end of the county. Yeah. So... Well, that, it's... It's, that's it's a lot. It's too. a hot topic. Yeah. Well, they're doing it here as so, well, but they're trying to make it um, socioeconomically diverse in all these schools. And our school is actually too diverse, they decided. They're going to take half of the diversity out of our school. I've never heard of I've such a thing. I've never heard of such a thing either. But that's what they're telling us. All right. Because they have to spread diversity around. And I'm like, that's some wild thinking. Um, yeah. They were describing that. I'm like, we're it's the opposite. Right. And my wife's a New Yorker, right? New York City. She wants this diversity. Right. She's like, I don't want it to be homogenized and whatever. She's like, oh, that sucks. But uh, that's it's working in reverse at our school. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know. We can send some of ours out your way then. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Carroll County is a whole different world. <laughs> Very oh, different place. It's nice. Yes, it is. So yes. my question is, I want to tie this into real estate as we wrap this thing up, because really, truly, I think all roads in my life always end up in this topic. I don't care if you go to a bar, restaurant, or just hanging out. Somehow someone's going to talk about it because I'm there. 
And so you managed to buy a home, like you said, just a few miles from your previous home, Correct. specifically for a high school or other schools. Mm -hmm. So you could be in the right district and you wanted to upsize. Yes. And I know you don't live and breathe real estate, but are you aware of what the market's like right now as we at the end of 2023? I know it's not where it was five years ago when I bought. Yeah. Yes. So when we bought five years ago with our anniversaries coming up next week, the big five years. Um, yeah. Things were moving fast. Yeah. Remember, we sold our house in four days. Yes. That was intense. Um, and then I think we settled on our house like within a month. Like, By the way, for maybe 10 or 15% over list, just saying you had a good realtor. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah that was a good one. <laughs> yes. Um, so, but I know things are slower now. I know interest rates are way up compared to when I bought. So, yeah. And so the reason I ask is because that's all people hear on the news. It's usually doom and gloom and like the idea that if you had to move, do you think now is a good time to move just based on your knowledge of what is going on? Based on my knowledge, which is little, I would say no, thank you. Just yeah. because I would I would have to find something better than what I currently have and be guaranteed to that. And I wouldn't be able to move unless I sold this house. So it's like you're kind of like stuck in the middle. Yeah. And so and then interest rates have since do you do you even know what your interest rate is? You probably it's on yeah. auto pay. You, you probably Listen, don't think I don't about touch it. Touch that, but I think it's around three percent. That's right. You know what they are now? Uh, eight. Yeah, about eight. Ugh. So every one percent is roughly, give or take, right about a ten percent increase in payment. So you can do the math. Glad I locked in. That's it. <laughs> so it's it's a challenging time. There are ways to help navigate that, but it's challenging. So one of the asset classes in this country that people don't talk about that often is the sub 4% mortgage uh, rate asset class, which is what you have. It's you better take a gun to my head because I'm not moving because I have this amazing rate. I'm not willing to take a higher payment to sell. And, and plus you have, you know, so as someone who's not involved in this, it's like the conversation I have with someone like yourself is a very reluctant mover. And I think that's going to eventually force something to happen to this market because right now the prices are still super high your home is in five years it, this is the good news for you it's probably yeah. appreciated 30 percent in five years it's gone dramatically up um yeah. and so if you had to move let's say you already have a bigger home but if you didn't get the home size you wanted you could upsize take the equity and replace it into into the new home so there's options and can you tell it's all i talk about <laughs> yep because <laughs> it is everyone's concern and uh so you have to be properly motivated to move in this type of market but there are buy downs you can buy down your rate you can get the seller to buy down your rate when you have a motivated seller there's all these options um thankfully for you you don't have to think about it anytime soon uh thank goodness moving was stressful <laughs> it is um but it's like a psa out there that uh if you have to move if you're properly motivated or you needed the new school district like if you hadn't moved and now you really needed to do it you can still do it everybody like the rates will eventually come down this much we know um you can refinance you can do buy downs you can get creative it's not the end of the world see that creative thinking that i was talking about a problem solver there you go boom well, comes be a back. hell of a realtor by the way <laughs> i think she would be the one you'd want to work with because she'd have the compassion and the love and the all the other the craziness i'd be the shark that you'd be like oh my oh, god i yeah. deal with him yeah but uh i don't know just I, I thought it was interesting to update you as someone who's not really following it and i was curious yeah. to get your thoughts on what it's like but yeah. listen 
I'm done. I told him after this move, we're moving to a retirement home because that was stressful. Yeah. Yes. Well, now it's a lot. Yeah. Well, your husband, Ed, is is planning to build a big garage. I mean, he's really putting down roots there. We're doing it. We're doing it all. Well, so not we. We put our you bar no in last year, he's or yeah. pre-COVID. Yeah. So it's all nice. It's the way we want it. It's it's hooked up. You have the hooked up house. Anybody listening out there, this sister of mine, has when she has a cocktail at the bar, she takes, this is how you know she's an elementary school teacher. She literally writes the ingredients out. I do. And then she makes it, she puts it in a beautiful uh, frame. Frame. With all the ingredients and a little like a like stamps. It's your menu. You need to know. Yes, and then you she have outlines options. it. It's the most beautiful thing. With and she'll a have garnish. With garnishes, and she pre-garnishes everything, and then she's got little finger foods in front of the sign. Yeah, so while you're food. reading, you can enjoy some food. That's it's pretty how you awesome. Do it. I'm a hardcore uh, planner. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> and so, also, if you're a client and you're listening to this, Megan used to help us, and maybe I one did. day in the future. With client gifts. Yes. And ever since we've I gone know. way downhill, um, Sorry. we need we need your support. So maybe yes. when you're tired of preschool, you can come back. All my days off, I can make some baskets. I mean, she and... hooked it up. She made baskets and we'd give these like, let us love on you notes and, and we would figure out what people liked and she would source them and it would be the most gorgeous, beautiful thing. Thank you. It was awesome. I had fun. It was a good creative outlet. But a me. pain in the tail and yeah, yeah. <laughs> driving from Westminster to here to yes. get everything. Going back roads. I tried. Yeah, but she's still technically, she had business cards. So she's technically yes. in the Matt Ryan group yes. family, if you yes. will. Brand ambassador, that's I believe it. was my title. That's exactly right. Yes. That was awesome. Well, that's it. So I want to wrap this up. I uh, I like to, to hear an educator's perspective of what's going on. It sounds a little doom and gloom in terms of like just public education. Everyone's, at least around here in the heart of the Baltimore County area, everyone wants to go to private school and it's like, you know, I don't know. It's a lot of negativity about public school here. It's kind of crazy. And in the, Cut the teachers a little bit of a break, though. I know. And literally, I will say you people like everybody that goes to the private school and they talk and my kids are in public school. I was a public school child. And like they almost look down at you like, oh, I thought you cared about your kids. <laughs> oh, you it's, do. Mom yeah, did. Hey. Exactly. It's like, yes, I do. I'm, I'm intentionally putting them in at public schools. And yeah. uh, so uh, stop guilty now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we turned out I can spell occasionally words correctly. Not too bad. <laughs> Not too bad. But that's it. But I appreciate oh. you joining me. And this is a little time capsule, you know, in 2023 for us to look back on that's and right. how, how the state of, of the public education system oh. is and was. So thanks for joining me. Thank you, Matt. Alrighty. righty.